The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guests, Dr. Mark Geyer and David Geyer. Dr. Mark Geyer has an MD and a PhD in genetics. He has evaluated and treated more than 1,000 patients diagnosed with autism and published more than 100 peer-reviewed scientific medical studies. David Geyer was a member of Maryland's Autism Commission, and he has published over 60 peer-reviewed scientific medical studies. The Geyers were my first ever radio guests on Autism One Radio back on January 13th, 2005. Wow. And listeners may know the Geyers more recently from the ASD centers, the Autism Treatment Clinics, as well as from the Coalition for Mercury-Free Drugs, or COMED. Today we're going to talk about the COMED initiatives. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Let's start off with letting listeners know what COMED is. COMED is the Coalition for Mercury-Free Medicines, particularly vaccines. It's a 501c3 nonprofit that uh, is attempting to improve the world by getting rid of mercury in medicines and in vaccines. Okay, and what are your roles with COMED? Well, we are among the original founders, both Mark and David Geyer. Uh, we founded COMED along with the Reverend Lisa Sykes from Richmond, Virginia, and Dr. Paul G. King, who's an analytical chemist from New Jersey. Um, our roles, in addition to being founders, have been very active in trying to uh, make the mission of COMED to make the drug supply mercury-free is something that has led us around the world and to give talks to numerous groups and publish many peer-reviewed scientific studies. And even before COMED was formed, the two of you helped with various state initiatives, uh, visiting the Attorney General's office. I know that you went to me, with me in my state, and we were successful in passing a mercury ban um, law uh, in, into legislation, and it just makes no sense to have mercury in biologics, especially things that are injected. And you're emphasizing mercury with COMED, but let's give listeners some interesting history. Um, before COMED came around and before um, you were dealing with the mercury issue, parents were basically chasing you down. I'm going to paraphrase here really, really loosely. Parents were basically chasing you down the street trying to tell you about this issue with um, some uh, components and vaccines that were deleterious to health, their children's health, and you were 
going, no, no, it can't be, it can't be. I know you published some papers on MMR. Uh, I know that you worked with DPT. What's your history with vaccines and how the paradigm changed for you? I started working on vaccines back in the early 70s. Um, this was involved my work at the National Institutes of Health, which is the world's leading <clears throat> medical uh, research institution. Uh, I was actually working on what is now called genetic engineering and was one of the first people to successfully demonstrate genetic engineering. But by happenstance, I found that there was contamination, viral contamination and later uh, endotoxin contamination and later other contaminations of vaccines. So being strongly pro-vaccine then and now, uh, I decided I would try to improve this wonderful invention that we had. Uh, and I, the first improvement that I tried to make was to fix the D DTP vaccine. That's diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. Uh, and people may now be aware that we no longer give DTP vaccine. We give DTAP. It took me 20 years of my life. It was called anti-vaccine, all kinds of terrible names. But eventually I convinced the Institute of Medicine and did publications to show that we should use a purified pertussis. Every child used to be sick when we got a pertussis vaccine. Everybody got a high fever. If you didn't, there was something wrong with you. And now that we use a purified one, only 3% get fevers. So that was my first um, foray into changing vaccines. And because of that, I, I got interested in studying the, the vaccine adverse uh, reports uh, system to see what's going on with vaccines. And, in fact, for many years, the uh, CDC and the FDA actually worked with me and, and as David joined with David, um, because we were right the first time. And we were, as you said, we were approached by parents who said, uh, you're missing the whole thing. We were studying all kinds of things like Guillain-Barre syndrome, following uh, um, influenza, and they kept saying, you're missing the big picture. It's autism and, 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 and mercury. And we said, no, no, come on. I mean, we're, we're, let's be serious about that. We totally, totally did not believe it. And we eventually uh, did a study. Maybe David can tell you how it came about that we began to think that that might actually be true. And we now know it's not might be true. It's absolutely what caused the autism epidemic. Both we know and the other side of this issue knows it because the, their own documents uh, as subpoenaed by Congress show that there's no issue. They're just lying about it. Who was well, it over initial... at... Who was it over at the secret um, Simpsonwood meeting... I believe that was in the year 2000, was it, in Norcross, Georgia, at the Simpsonwood Retreat Center, who said that all the damage is done within the first three months or what have you? Well, I think that Verstraten is the person that you're trying to think of from the uh, Simpsonwood meeting. What, just to explain what we did quickly on our own study, and this was before we knew anything about Simpsonwood or the fact that Congress is holding hearings on this for many years, is that we analyzed the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or BEARS database. The only independent researchers to get into that, right? Well, BEARS is, is a public database uh, that's available, at least theoretically, to everybody. And now, in more recent years, you can even search it as a private citizen online. But at the time that we were doing it, we were among very few independent researchers looking at it. And we simply did a very uh, easy to study to understand, which was that we knew how many vaccines were administered by different types of vaccines manufactured by different companies. And it turns out that in 1997, a diphtheria, tetanus, acellular pertussis, a DTAP vaccine, 
was introduced by a company called GlaxoSmithKline that did not use thimerosal, that kind of mercury in the vaccines, as a preservative. It used 2-phenoxyethanol, so no mercury at all, an alternate preservative. All of the other DTAP vaccines were manufactured with thimerosal as a preservative, and we simply calculated the frequency of autism, of other neurodevelopmental disorders reported to the VAERS database. And we found that there was a much higher rate with the kids who got the thimerosal-containing vaccines, DTAP vaccines, versus the thimerosal-free. It was actually six times higher rate. Um, we became very concerned that something odd was going on with thimerosal and neurodevelopmental disabilities. And we looked at a number of other outcomes that we didn't think should be linked to mercury, uh, things like... Um, fevers, injection site pain, and we found no difference in the reporting. It was only for the neurodevelopmental problems like autism that we found that link. And ultimately, it led to our first publication on this topic, published in Experimental Biology and Medicine, where we said that we were very skeptical and we didn't believe that there would be a here. Look at what the data is showing us. This is really powerful. And subsequent to that, as we got further and further into this, we uncovered that our own government has been studying thimerosal in vaccines for many, many years. And researchers as far back as the 1930s and 40s said that this kind of mercury in vaccines was damaging people and that it needed to be removed, and ultimately even saying that it was linked to neurodevelopmental problems in children. So we published a whole series of studies looking at various databases confirming this link in multiple different ways. Okay. And the, and the government themselves had a meeting that, that, that leads us to Simpsonwood, a private, secret, illegal meeting in which they discussed it and they kept the transcript. So there's no issue. The transcript says they know they caused it and they know they're going to cover it up. And they even make sure their children don't get it, but your children are going to get it because it's good, they want to preserve the vaccine program. And again, we're for the vaccine program, but there's no reason in the world why mercury should continue to be in the vaccines, and it still is. Absolutely. And um, so even if you hadn't found the secret Simpsonwood transcripts, your own data, you, you went into this, you're, you're, you're pro-safe uh, vaccine, you say, um, you're, you're hoping to be able to help preserve the vaccine program, yet you're being marginalized by being called anti-vaccine just because you're trying to make a consumer product, like any other consumer product, safer for the public, one that you find has uh, a product you find has benefits if it's, if it's done better. Um, but you're being, you're being marginalized. But even if you hadn't read Simpsonwood, your own data that you went into skeptically, but then you uh, openly analyzed what was really before you, your own data showed you that there was definitely a signal, there was definitely an effect where the vaccines with mercury were um, more deleterious to children's health, causing autism and neurodevelopmental disorders than the vaccines without it. Is that a good summary? 
Absolutely, and we, we didn't just look at epidemiological things. We started looking at clinical things. We started measuring something called urinary porphyrins, which is a long-time accepted method of determining the amount of body burden of mercury. Uh, we didn't develop it, and I developed it. Everybody agrees it worked. And so we looked at autistics, and we found they had high levels of mercury compared to non-autistics. And the more severe they were, the higher they were, it was. And this work was confirmed by a group in, in Paris, a group in Australia, a group at Arizona State, a group in South Korea. Everywhere we looked at it, we looked at it, we decided to dedicate our lives to this terrible problem because it's one of the biggest problems in history. And everywhere we looked at it, it, it came out the same. And, and now there are thousands of articles from every major university saying they're right, and the public health says there are no, there are no papers. They, they, they tell this big lie. They tell two big lies. One is that there are no papers linking, and anybody can confirm this. You go to PubMed, National Library of Medicine, type in the word thimerosal, you'll see the papers, and they're from Harvard. My favorite is Harvard. Harvard did an autopsy study on children who died of other causes who had autism and compared the mercury levels in their brain to the normal children who died of other causes. And what do you think they found? What everybody else finds, high levels of mercury only in the areas associated with autism. There wow. are animal studies. It's been studied in monkeys, in, in rats, in in mice, in hamsters, everybody finds the same thing. And meanwhile, public health says there are no studies, and public health says that mercury has been removed from the vaccines, which is totally wrong again. You can go to their own website, add up the amount of mercury now, and add up the amount of mercury in 1999. And if you follow the whole schedule, there's more mercury now than there was in 1999. They've moved it into different vaccines, but there's more mercury, and they have no intention of stopping. And we're in the midst of an absolutely horrible uh, epidemic of, of autism, which the, the numbers keep going up and up according to the CDC. Now they said 1 in 88. It's actually probably 1 in 20. And worse than that, it's also related, as we know from their own internal memos, with ADD and ADHD, attention deficit uh, disorder, which is now found in somewhere between 1 in 3 and 1 in 6 Americans. They are destroying our society and now other societies around the world. This is the worst crime ever done. The cover-up on this is absolutely criminal, and the number of people that are harmed is immense, and the documentation of the cover-up is undeniable. Right. Thank you for making these important points. And now you've emphasized the importance of this issue. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about what COMED is doing about it. Thank you to our sponsors, Oxy Health and Superberries. We'll be right back with the Guyers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. 
That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. Mark Geyer and David Geyer, and we're talking about COMED, the Coalition for Mercury-Free Drugs. And um, you were talking about some statistics and such in the first um, section. But, Dr. Geyer, in addition to having an MD and a PhD in genetics and, you know, having hands-on clinical experience with patients, uh, you're, for those who, who like epidemiology and rely on epidemiological studies, you actually, are you board certified in epidemiology or you sit on a board or? Yes, I'm, I'm board certified in the American College of Epidemiology as a fellow of the college, which is the highest rating, and it means that the college voted that I've made a lifelong contribution to public health through epidemiology. Wow. Let's talk about COMED some more. It has a case with the Food and Drug Administration. That, that is correct. And what uh, you're referring to, and this is something that a lot of people don't know about, is that there is a process whereby citizens, can actually petition the Food and Drug Administration to force the Food and Drug Administration to follow its own rules. And this whole notion of filing a citizen's petition and ultimately a lawsuit against the FDA was the brainchild of Dr. Paul G. King. Dr. King, through his previous work as an analytical chemist, spent between 20 or 30 years working with various industry, pharmaceutical industry companies, including even ones that made vaccines like Letterly. And through the course of this work, we became intimately involved in knowing what the relations are that govern vaccines. And he pointed out to uh, my, uh, my father as well as me, Lisa Sykes, was that the mercury in the vaccines, the cytosol, is actually illegal under the federal law. There is a specific federal statute that governs preservatives and vaccines. And what the law says, and it's very clear, it says that they shall, which in legal terms means not maybe kind of sort of, they must, shall show that the preservatives are sufficiently non-toxic to the recipient. And what he pointed out is that these vaccines that have thimerosal have never been tested. This was uh, deduced from congressional testimony uh, before the Government Reform Committee and ultimately published in the Mercury and Medicine Report from the Government Reform Committee, which said that the government and the industry never done any testing on the safety of thimerosal, so that this sufficiently non-toxic provision of the law has never been met by the drug companies or required, the FDA has never required the drug companies to comply. In addition, uh, Dr. King found in the federal laws that as part of the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act, which is the Vaccine Act, we've all heard about these autism cases before a special vaccine court, 
that law that governs those cases has specific provisions that says that citizens have a right to petition the Secretary of HHS to make vaccines safer than they are as of the time of the passage of the, of the Act, which was back in 1988. So clearly removing thimerosal would make vaccines safer than they were as of the time of the passage of the Act. With these two provisions in mind, Dr. King, along with all of us in COMED, filed a citizen's petition with the FDA, which is a legal document putting the FDA on notice of what these laws say and asking the FDA to enforce the law to improve vaccine safety. And we did that back in 2004, and we've gone through an amazing odyssey of filing petitions, having the FDA not answer, trying to force the FDA to answer. But ultimately, what has come out of that is that we filed a lawsuit against the FDA from the citizen's petition saying to the court, judge, please order the FDA to comply with these laws. And what's fascinating is that two things have fallen out. One is that the FDA, Food and Drug Administration's position, is that they do not have to comply with the law. Even though the black letter law says that they have to do these things, their position is that they have administrative discretion. In other words, even though the black and white words say that they have to do these things, they've told the court that they don't choose to do them because they can interpret and sort of make their own law. So they choose not to enforce these laws. And then the second component of their defense is that those of us in COMED do not have standing to bring such a lawsuit in court. And standing is something that is fascinating to think about. The laws all say, whether it's the Citizens Petition Law or the Vaccine Act, all you have to do is be a citizen of the United States in order to bring a lawsuit against the FDA. The courts contemplate this in a different way. They're saying that they interpret that in order for a citizen to bring a lawsuit, you have to have what they're calling Article Three of the Constitution standing, which means, in sort of simple layperson's terms, that they don't want a hypothetical case brought, meaning that you hypothetically have an issue and you want the courts to, to make an opinion on that. It has to be a real controversy based on facts and people being affected. And so we have filed in the court uh, affidavits from various parents and children and all kinds of individuals affected by thimerosal in the vaccines. And thus far, the court has said, well, if you were exposed in the past to thimerosal, it doesn't count because, well, that's in the past. The court can't intervene to stop it. And if it's going to be in the future, you say you're going to get a vaccine with mercury in it. They say that that doesn't, uh, doesn't give you standing because, after all, it's sometime in the future, it's a hypothetical. It hasn't actually happened. It's almost like you have to be sitting in the courtroom and somebody with a needle and syringe with mercury in it piercing your skin in the courtroom. Then you sort of might have, uh, uh, have standing to have the court say, well, maybe we won't give you that vaccine. 
Wow, makes no sense. <laughs> However, we just got our Supreme Court ruling that says that we do have. That it looks like we do have standing, and so we're continuing the battle in the uh, circuit court. And this is a this is a battle that parents and both all parents and especially autistic parents need to understand. This is not a battle like. Dr. Wakefield, who we have great, respo- great respect for, who's suing to get damages from the, from the incorrect information that was put out on him, in which case, you know, it would be very nice if he, if he wins. This is a case, if we win, the issue is over. They will be ordered to remove thimerosal. And, and even more important than that is the repercussion. When we talk about the sufficiently non-toxic uh, provision of the FDA statute, as Dr. King points out, if that statute has not been complied with, that means that all drugs that have had thimerosal that are not in compliance with that statute are adulterated. They're illegal. And as such, it would open up all civil litigation. Every parent of a child with autism as opposed to right now, basically, there is no remedy. The vaccine court has said you can't come there. The civil courts say you can't come because the Vaccine Act is the only remedy. This decision would strike all that down and allow every parent, everybody that's been affected by thimerosal to go directly to civil court, and there would be a presumption of guilt against the pharmaceutical industry that what they did was wrong. Additionally, there are criminal tr- uh, penalties for both the FDA and the uh, drug companies for uh, allowing an adulterated medicine. Mm-hmm. And adulterated so this is a, this it is. is a suit that we all, we all need to get behind. This is the suit that has a chance. You never know how suits are going to end up. This suit has a chance to bring down this issue, to end the issue, to get justice for the children, and to stop future damage. And this is, this is where... We're very disappointed that we have not seen an outflowing of the autism community to support this suit as opposed to a suit against, uh, you know, a group in England on behalf of our beloved colleague, Andy Wakefield. This is how America has a chance to actually do something. And we've not had the kind of support that we were expecting from all the parents on this. During the previous break, David was um, talking about Dr. Brian Hooker's post on Age of Autism today, and that good post, and uh, give a shout-out to our friends at Age at Autism. Um, the, Brian Hooker and COMED have a case with the CDC. Yeah, well, as an additional aspect of going after the government, as we alluded to previously, one of the, the crucial parts is that the government knows a tremendous amount about thimerosal. This isn't a case where the government has sat idly by and something terrible has happened. They have actively been involved in researching this problem now for more than 10 years. And they've been lying about the results to the public, and, and, and they're open to freedom of information. And COMED has, for many years, been working with Brian Hooker, he's our, our agent, to get under freedom of information. The absolute smoking gun shows that they're intentionally contriving to, to hold this from the public, and we're now get, beginning to get some of the absolute smoking gun uh, material. Because so under the... When we come back from break, David, we're going to talk more about um, Brian Hooker's uh, trials and tribulations and the trials and tribulations of us all, therefore, get, getting documents under the Freedom of Information Act and COMED's work with this. When we come back from break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, thank you to our sponsors, Oxy Health and Superberries. We'll be right back. 
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with the guys. And before the break, um, David was responding to my question about Dr. Brian Hooker and COMED's case with the CDC. Uh, Dr. Brian Hooker has been working on getting documents under the Freedom of Information Act. David, can you pick up with that and tell us what's been happening? Yeah, sure. As, as I was mentioning, that as we know, the government has not sat idly by on thimerosal, that they know a great deal of information about this. So Dr. Hooker, working with us in COMED, has been FOIAing, which is referring to the Freedom of Information Act, which is a federal statute that allows citizens, ordinary citizens, to ask the government to produce their internal information in a specific area. And so Dr. Hooker has FOIAed in relation to the main studies that the government relies upon to say that thimerosal in vaccines is safe. And one of the main studies that they rely upon comes to us from Denmark. In 2003, a study was published in the journal Pediatrics by a group from Denmark purporting to show that when they removed thimerosal from their vaccines in uh, Denmark, that the rate of autism went up once they removed it. And that study, when we read it and Dr. Hooker read it and others have read it, it seems rather fishy. Something is very rotten with the study. So Dr. Hooker began FOIAing information relating to that study, and what was very shocking is that our own government, through the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, was instrumental in helping to produce this study from Denmark, which was supposed to be done by independent uh, researchers looking at this problem. And what Brian or Dr. Hooker found in the emails and the drafts was that there was a lot of correspondence, a lot of discussion going on, but that our government, in turning over this material under FOIA, was redacting or withholding page after page after page. 
and it was tantalizing to read some of the emails where you could read a line and it would say something very important about the study, and just when you were trying to figure out what they were saying, then everything else would be redacted down the entire page. And so what we did with uh, Dr. Hooker is that when they withhold information, you have a right to go through various appeals administratively, and we tried that, and basically the appeals office held that they didn't have to turn over this information, and it's very interesting what the excuses were. It was things like, well, if we turn that over, somebody might be criminally prosecuted. Or if we turn that over, it's personal information about the person and it's of no relevance to the study or what should be public. And so eventually, uh, when you exhaust the administrative appeals, you have the right to go before a judge. And a judge looks at this and starts making decisions. Is it a Appropriate, what the government withheld or not. And so there have been a series of filings in court, and we've uncovered additional documents. Basically, in the case of Denmark, what has fallen out now through court, through getting additional documents, is that the Danish study published in pediatrics is a complete fabrication. When they say that the rate of autism went up after they removed thimerosal from their vaccines, the unredacted emails, the drafts of the study that we have now, actually show that the rate of autism went down when they removed thimerosal from the vaccine. Wow, that's the pretty Danish important. The Danish researchers knew it. The Danish what? researchers knew it, and our own CDC uh, researchers knew it. And what they did is orchestrated a study to tell a falsehood. Yeah, that. That is so important, and that study is thrown in our face all of the time. And this work, I think, through ultimately in court now, it's sitting before a judge may, if we continue to press this and push this, result in criminal prosecution of specific people because we know exactly who said what now in these emails. And it's very clear that the Danish study which is being held up as independent, it's being held up as high quality, was actually of very poor quality, rejected multiple times by different journals, was then manipulated to remove data showing downward trends in autism after the removal of thimerosal. It was so bad on the downward trends that we even have the peer review comments. When you send an article into a journal and an independent person reviews the science, one of those peer reviewers said, from looking at the figure, one of the explanations about autism going down is that thimerosal is causally linked to autism. That's what the peer reviewer saw when he looked at this table with the additional data. What they did is they cut it off after they got that comment. Well, that's just incredible. I mean, you can't walk into a doctor's office and talk to a nurse without hearing, oh, there's no problem, there was that Danish study. And it was a lie, and it spreads all over the place. And then it gets into other people's books and on news commentaries. This is horrible. And, and the database, by the way, was uh, controlled by Dr. Thorson from Denmark, and he's been indicted by the federal government for fraud, and he faces up to 200 years in jail 
if he shows up in the U.S., he fled to, uh, to Denmark, and we don't ask to have him extradited because if he comes here, he's going to tell all about all the other CDC employees that were involved in this fraud. But he continues to have U.S. funding. He sits under a federal indictment that could give him 200 years in prison. It's just amazing the level that these people will go to to harm the children of this planet. Yeah, and because of and these lies, the- more children indeed, indeed have been harmed. So let's talk about the world's children. Tell us about... COMED's work with the United Nations? Well, trying to stop this problem, as you mentioned again back in the beginning of the program, we have been very interested in trying to stop this. Uh, You mentioned about the fact that we, with you along with other parents, got a number of states here in the United States to try to ban thimerosal in their vaccines. Because obviously the, the place to start here is to stop the damage. Let's stop the poison now. And so seven states in the U.S. have banned thimerosal, although the public health community, meaning the CDC, does not comply with that and continues to ship thimerosal-containing vaccines in those states in violation of the law, we said, well, maybe if we can't control things here in the U.S., despite our efforts, maybe we can try to stop this on a global scale. And what we and some of the other advocates in this community uncovered is that there is currently a United Nations treaty specific to mercury. Um, this treaty was proposed by President Obama as one of his first acts. He asked the United Nations to develop a treaty to regulate mercury around the world. And they originally, when they were formulating this treaty, were thinking in terms of environmental mercury power plants, factories, mining, all of these sources of mercury, that's what they were talking about negotiating in the treaty. We found out that this treaty was happening, and we became, COMED became accredited by the United Nations through a process, and as such, we were able to actually become involved in the negotiations of the treaty. And our first experience with a global treaty negotiation occurred in January 2011 in Shiba, Japan. It was an incredible setting to go to, to actually go to a place. We went to a huge convention center in Shiba, Japan, which is just outside of Tokyo, and literally over 150 nations were present in the room, just like what you see on television. Each nation has their own nameplate. The United States is there in China and Japan and so on over 150 nations, and in that context, as an accredited organization, we were able to directly interject our comments into the meeting. And what we presented that nobody knew in the room was that there was mercury in vaccines. The World Health Organization had told the delegates there that there was no mercury in vaccines, and we made these announcements to the overall group, and then we met with each of the different diplomats from each of the countries, and they became incredibly concerned about this problem because, as my father told everybody, when you talk about mercury coming out of, let's say, a factory, it's a very, very small part of that mercury that ultimately ends up potentially in a human being through fish or breathing the air. And here we're talking about directly injecting it into pregnant women, babies, children at t- over you know, 100 times the safety limit. 
And so they became very, very concerned, and ultimately we were able to get this treaty, the draft text of the treaty, to have specific language that now says that as of 2020, they are going to completely 100% ban mercury in vaccines for the, the entire world. Wonderful. Wow. So good for you. So you're doing good work. No wonder the powers that be are trying to shut you up. But, the, the, but that wasn't the end of the story. They, 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 we then went to the next meeting, which was in Kenya, and this time they were waiting for us. They had the whole WHO and everybody going around saying there are no studies, there's no mercury, there's no problems. Uh, and, of course, we brought a hundred of our favorite studies, and, you know, we showed that there was no alternative. We proved there was an alternative. We proved there was a vaccine available. At the end of that meeting, they took a survey, and we took a survey, and we both pretty much agree. Over 100 nations are on our side. There are five nations that oppose removing mercury from vaccines, and I, I am very embarrassed to say the strongest leader of that group is the United States. So the African delegation unanimously votes for us. Most of the South Americans, even the Arabs, vote for us. There are five nations, the U.S. leader, that wants them out. So now there's another meeting coming up. They keep, they keep trying to get it out. They see the treaty has nothing to do with medicine. Leave it to the WHO to make sure they continue to poison. I mean, take care of the children. But the, the head of the United Nations is actually uh, very much supportive of us, and he's keeping it in. And now there's another meeting coming up in uh, Uruguay coming up in a couple more months, and again we're going to present, and again they're going to try to get it out, and again we're going to try to keep it in. And, and they're you... so desperate now. After this meeting, it was supposed to be signed, but they've had another meeting in uh, 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 Switzerland. Uh, they, they, they just don't know what to do. What are they going to do? No thimerosal. And the joke of it is all the vaccines can be and are made without thimerosal. They just don't want to, as they say on their website, the African children aren't worth two cents or whatever it is for a dose extra. They actually mm. promote that on the website. It's just oh absolutely amazing. The, just to be absolutely clear, the World Health Organization's position is that thimerosal, and they actually say it this way, that thimerosal saves millions of children's lives every year. No. And that to eliminate thimerosal from the vaccines would be to eliminate all vaccines in the world. You have a choice. Either you take the vaccine with thimerosal and you save these millions of children or if you want to remove thimerosal from vaccines, no vaccines whatsoever, all the children die over the entire planet. But you said that they That's can the use level of lie that they're, that they're into at this point. We went and discussed with the head of the uh, U.S. program, uh, because we're part of the U.S. delegation, and we said, why do you keep it in? Why don't you replace it with 2-phenoxyethanol? And he said, 2-phenoxyethanol is an experimental um, preservative, and we don't know if it works. And I said, how about Infrex? That's the vaccine we just told you about. That, that was uh, in 1997, came out and used in hundreds of millions of doses of American vaccines, and he said he didn't know what Infrex was. It's the main U.S. vaccine. And, and as a matter of fact, every vaccine made now is made without thimerosal. And with thimerosal, all they have to do is pay a little bit more to get the better one. The, by the way, the person that my father is mentioning, this is Dr. Bruce Gellin, who's the head of the National Vaccine Program Office. He is the chief in effect of vaccines in the United States. When he speaks and writes memos, that's what dictates what vaccines our children get in this country. And he doesn't even bother to know the name of the main vaccine in the United States. It's, he just knows vaccines take them. I mean, he, he could you, have a discussion you, with him. And you have never seen anybody run as fast 
is this man after the meeting. Uh, Reverend Lisa Sykes was with us at this meeting that he was at, and she had a very simple question, which is why does the United States, which is dedicated to a policy of removing thimerosal from all vaccines as soon as, as possible, why do we continue to use it? And as a matter of fact, the memo that Dr. Gellin filed with the United Nations said over 90 million U.S. vaccines last year had full-dose thimerosal. Why did they do this? And he wouldn't answer the question. He ran so fast out of the room, you've never seen anybody run like that. They will not answer that question. It's just, it has to be there. There is no choice. But then when they come out with the big lights and the television cameras, no thimerosal in any U.S. vaccine. Except for 90 million doses a year. Wow. I mean, what a lie. And, and there are no studies. And, and the studies come out every week every mu- uh, from every university in this country. It's absolutely an amazing lie. And it's not a funny lie because the people that are paying for it are our children and our future and the future of this planet. I mean, how many damaged kids can we have? All of them. By the way, for your listeners, neither David nor I have any autistic children. We have dedicated our lives to this because it's right. Right. And they're coming after you. You mentioned Uruguay. And they're coming after us. And they come after every single person who says one word against what they want, whether it's Dr. Boyd Haley, whether it's uh, Maddie Horning, anybody that has a mouse system, any system that looks like they're wrong, they don't just say you're wrong. They don't just insult you. They try to take your funds away. They try to take your license away. They do everything possible to hurt them, and they've done every single person in the country, from Andy Wakefield to us to, to, to every single investigator. You cannot disagree with them. And yet with all that pressure... Every week, more studies come out for more people. Tell us about Chile. You're truth. working down there, too. Yeah, Chile is an interesting story. Go ahead, Dave, tell them about Chile. And trying to open more fronts, because we really do want this problem stopped. It's not about the guys promoting themselves. The issue here is about stopping the problem. We made contact, or rather we were made contact with, somebody named Carmen Chinagu from Chile, Carmen um, is a very unique person. Uh, she, through her contacts, was able to reach the highest levels of the Chilean government. And so COMED, along with us and various experts, we eventually brought Dr. Janet Kern from the University of Texas and Dr. Boyd Haley from the University of Kentucky. We have begun a major effort in Chile to try to ban thimerosal completely from all vaccines in Chile. And there's currently legislation that's working its way through the Chilean legislature to do exactly that. Um, and they've already quit. They don't, they don't use it anymore. And the, and the amazing thing is we go to Chile, and the head of public health agrees with us. The head of pediatrics agrees with us. The Senate agrees with us. The vice president of the Senate agrees with us. They all, in fact, we propose that they use up their remaining thimerosal-containing vaccine and buy thimerosal free, and they said, we're not going to do that. We're going to throw it out. We, we're a poor country, but we're not giving another drop of it to our children. What a difference between their attitude, this poor country that cares about their children, and the attitude we get in the United States. I think that's one of the most important points and saddest things of all, is that in this country, as we fought to, have fought this issue up to the very top levels of government, things like secretaries of health and human services, and even all the way up to people like presidential candidates. The issue in the United States always comes down to one of 
dollars and cents and promotions and all, you know, everything it's about me. How does thimerosal affect my future? That's what we talk about here in the U.S. But as we have traveled around the world, whether we talk to the poorest countries in Africa or Latin and Central America, what comes across from those governments, from those researchers, is what can we do to help the children? It's not a question of is it a penny more dose? Is it good for my future? If it's good for the children and helps the children, they don't want to do it. We're going to phase it out over the next five years. We're going to do it now to protect our children. And our country just won't do that. It has no foresight to do that. And it's also exporting the problem to other countries. Yeah, well, we make, as you mentioned, we make our companies make a large fortune out of doing this. Aerosol allows them to make the vaccines very cheaply, very in very dirty conditions, and as such, they sell the cheapest, dirtiest product they can get away with to most of the world. And, and one of the reasons that we've come across as to why the United States still uses thimerosal is they do it because if we banned it, they're afraid that the third world countries will ban it. And we, therefore, our children, not only do we have to donate money to the third world, and I'm certainly happy to, you know, help pay for their vaccines, but our children have to take the bad vaccine so that we, so that they can give the bad vaccine in the third world countries. So, for example, England banned it, no problem. But the United States bans it, Africa automatically bans it, so our children have to suffer because we, otherwise they won't be able to give it in Africa. And that's why we thought we have to get the, the, the world organizations behind us. Uh, but, you know, it, I don't want to be too cheerful about the 2020. You do understand that public health will not obey that ban. Even, even if it's passed, they don't obey the ban here in the United States, and they will not obey, obey the ban elsewhere. They, the public health view is the laws are for them only if they don't interfere with them. And if there's an interference with what they perceive as important for public health, they are above the law. They do not obey the law. They are a rogue institution. They're run in the United States by the Public Health Service, which wears little uniforms, can't figure out who's supposed to salute them, and they're conducting a war. And we're the enemy, and our children are the, are the casualties. And that's how they view it, and, and they will not obey it. In Maryland, we try to have it banned, and the head of public health said to the Senate, Maryland Senate, even if you ban it here, go ahead. We won't obey it. What are you going to do to us if, you don't, if we don't obey it? And by the way, if you do anything, we'll let all your children die, and you're next. That's their attitude. They don't run the world. The, the, the world is run by our representatives, and our children do matter. What can listeners do to support the work that you are doing, which supports their children? Well, we, the, the organization that is so instrumental in supporting all of these global initiatives has a website. It's www.mercury-freedrugs.org. That's mercury-freedrugs.org. Um, there's a PayPal way to donate to our activities to support our ability to travel around the world and to make these presentations. In addition, if somebody has that's listening wants to support this in a larger way, you can directly communicate with us. Uh, email is probably a good way to do that. Uh, our email is m g e i e r at comcast.net. That's M 
G-E-I-E-R at Comcast.net. And I would encourage your listeners, if they also want to get really involved and be part and work with us, this is a big world, and this is the number one problem in the entire world, in my opinion. There's more damage been done here, and more children and more of the future of the world is at stake here than anything else that's happening, and that includes wars or anything else. Somebody needs to start focusing on helping this happen. We've been funding this now for a decade out of our own pockets. And meanwhile, they're attacking us, and they're trying to take away my licenses to practice medicine. They're trying to, to go after David. They try to go after Lisa Sykes as a reverend. They'll go after anybody. It's time now for the United States autism groups to, to, to fall in line and support us big time because we are the only group that's really doing something that if we win, we could actually change the world. We're not just trying to make noise. We, we don't want to annoy them. We want to bring them down. We want to stop this has to stop, or there'll be no United States of America as a leading nation. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for working on these important worldwide initiatives, as Dr. Geyer mentions. To our listeners, the Geyers will be presenting at Autism One on Friday, May 25th, on the biological basis of autism, causation, and treatment giving you important new information showing how environmental exposures, particularly mercury, are associated with autism and how targeted therapies, particularly hormonal dysfunction treatment, can improve clinical outcomes in autism. And, gentlemen, so, again, thank you for being with us here today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And I should and Thank also you for all your efforts, Terry. As you said, we, we, go, we both go way, way back, and we are all appreciative that you're one of the people in the, in the world that has made a difference and is trying to make a difference in this, on this issue. Oh, thank you, and you as well. Um, for the Autism One Conference, you can register at www.autismone.org, and the guards will also be at the Health Freedom Expo in June in Schaumburg, Illinois, and we'll have more information on that in upcoming shows. Uh, the, the Autism One Conference simply has a minimal $25 materials and processing Fee and again, that's www.autismone.org. Next week, my guest is Jeffrey Smith, Jeffrey M. Smith, the author of the number one GMO bestseller, Seeds of Deception. Thank you to this program's sponsors, OxyHealth and Superberries, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.